1: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, bracing for big market events in the days ahead, tomorrow's jobs report, next week's earnings, the investment committee here to get ahead of all of that. Joining me for the hour, everyone at Post 9, Josh Brown, Kerry Firestone, Jim Laventhal. Take you 12 noon in the east. We'll show you what the markets are doing today. Red across the board, as you see. Red 2 from yields, which we continue to watch closely. 4.72 is the note on the tenure. So you, Josh, are real dialed in on tomorrow and the jobs report and what might happen to this market uh, depending on what that print is?
2: Yeah, I'm usually the guy that comes on and says, ignore the economic data, it's already priced in. I think in this case, if we get a hot jobs report that contradicts the little bit of relief that we got from ADP in the middle of this week, uh, I think that you, you're, you're going to make new year lows uh, in all the major indices. I really don't think there's any way around it. I really think it's if this, then that, and it's as simple as that. Uh, I wish it weren't so. I wish people weren't reacting that furiously to a monthly look at whether or not we add 80 or 90,000 jobs in an economy where 150 million people are working. But absolutely, the markets are going to be quick on the trigger. A lot of this stuff is algorithmic anyway. It doesn't even re- require the sentience of a human being uh, until later on. And I think that that probably dictates the next 1,000 points in the Dow. So, and, and what it does beyond there, I don't know. The good news is uh, economists are looking for about 170,000 jobs If in fact we come anywhere near that number, that would be below the 187 that we added in August. Um, And I think it's doable. And I think in large part we might be helped out by the auto strikes. This might not show up in this month. Maybe that's in next month. Um, revisions downward would be would be helpful as well. The Fed, I think, is miscalculating by continuing to pound on this higher for longer, higher for longer, higher for longer. What they've basically set up is a scenario where every uptick in the 10-year Treasury means like another trillion dollars coming out of the stock market. It's really stupid messaging. I think they could calm it down a little bit. They have largely gotten their way all over the economy. Uh, and, and so, if we get this cooled off jobs report, I think it will really help sentiment. And it's possible stocks might have seen the lows for the year if that's what we get. Keep in mind, we are very washed out. I talk about internals all the time. I want to relay to you that the RSI on the index itself, on the S&P 500, the RSI is now 32 30 is the low for the year which happened last week. We are now more washed out though, last week and this week, than we were during the SVB crisis Mm -hmm. when the RSI and the SPX got to about as low as 33. Are we in worse uh, condition economically now than we were when we thought there was gonna be a mass bank failure? It seems so overdone. So the fuel is there for a bounce if we get what I hope we get. The problem,
1: you know, Kerry, is you've got people like BTIG's Jonathan Krinsky saying 4,200. Were you know 70 points or so above that? It's not going to be the low. Um, that too many people expect it to hold, um, and then you get a nice nice rally into the rest of the fourth quarter. But he says may not be the case. Chris Ferrone, strategist, says yesterday's rally uh, hardly gives you the all clear. You didn't even get two to one advancers to decliners. The internals are weak. Um, so. Barclays, We believe we have substantial room to reprice lower before bonds stabilize. That's where the narrative is now. You could say, okay, well, now everybody's getting negative. So maybe that's a positive.
3: Well, I think what you're hearing, are the people who have been negative all along are really raising their voices, and the people who have been bullish are very quiet right now because the last couple of weeks are not playing into anything that's optimistic. You know, I, I think we have to see what comes out of those job numbers, and the job numbers that we saw from ADP were lower. We know, by the way, you know, Josh said this could be lows for the year. We could see the market come down some, but. Think about what's happened to inflation through the course of this year. It's continued to go lower and it's still going lower. We had this spike in energy, now we have less demand, it appears, mm-hmm. and energy mm-hmm. prices are coming down. So I think the number can well be within a range that the market will be comfortable. This has been a hiatus period. It's fine. We understand that. And frankly, I, I think it's it's time to sort of let the Fed see what the numbers are.
1: I'm hurrying you along because it's I have fine. some news that I want to get to, and I just don't want to hold it any it's longer fine. because it is causing shares of General Motors to take a, a big drop. Take a look at uh, GM shares as we speak, which I saw down about 3% intraday. There's a Wall Street Journal uh, piece out. There you go, there's the big drop, and it coincides with this story, according to the journal, that General Motors has at least 20 million vehicles with potentially explosive airbag parts. Again, that's according to the journal, which also says that NHTSA, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, is holding a meeting right now to consider whether to order a recall over those airbag components. So if General Motors didn't already have enough issues regarding the strike, the UAW, which really has no end in sight, from all of our own Phil LeBeau's reporting, and the you know we had an interview yesterday with GM CFO on, on this very program, and you've gotten the gist that they are far apart. Well, now you've got another thing to worry about for General Motors as those shares are down 3.5%. I want to talk markets, but Jimmy, you own the stock. So just give me your thought here as I bring you this news, which is moving this stock intraday down.
4: Yeah, you broke it for me, too. So I you know, I have to read the article. I don't want to be dismissive. This is you know, part of part of automobile manufacturing, and this happens quite often. To, 20 million vehicles. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, I think I need to get more data before I make any sort of cohesive statement on it. Um, but this is not the first time that you've had airbag defects. And when this happens, you've got to think about where the fiscal response is responsibility lies with. Usually it's with the airbag manufacturer. I mean, remember that uh, Japanese company Takata a few years ago? Um, so in the short term, this may look ugly for General Motors. I don't think this upsets the basic fact that people need new cars uh, and that the costs usually are borne by the parts manufacturer in this, not by the OEM.
1: So let's let's turn our attention back to the market and, and you know, we're trying to figure out where we're, we're going from here. I, I wrote I read you the notes from Three voices here: Strategus, Verone, Krinsky, Barclays, um, who say it's not all clear. 4,200 may not hold. Um, bonds are going to take longer to, to reprice before stocks do. Um, you got to. issue (laughs) here in the market potentially for your more optimistic scenario in which to remind viewers you took your S&P target up to 44.50 just a couple of days ago.
4: Yeah. Um, There's a tug of war between the bulls and the bears on the fundamental. I'm going to leave Krinsky aside for a second. He's on the technicals, which is absolutely fine. But the bulls, like me, are saying, look at how strong the economy is. Another update on Atlanta Fed today has us at 4.9 percent again for last quarter. Uh, You see jobless claims. People are employed. Inflation has been coming down, not anywhere near as fast as we wanted but coming down. And the bulls like me say, well, wait a second, this is good for consumption, this is good for the economy. And yeah, profits look like they're set to grow again. Uh, the bears say, and there's validity to this, this is provoking the Fed, they're gonna go further, they're gonna crash this economy, et cetera, et cetera. I'm gonna go back in terms of resolving this to where we were a minute ago And the jobs report tomorrow. I'm not looking at the top line uh, jobs number. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for average hourly earnings and labor force participation rate. Those are the drivers of inflation which in turn is the driver of the Fed, so I want to see average hourly earnings growth come in below the 4.3% expectations. I want to see labor force participation rate continue to pick up. Um, this is all a precursor, Scott, to next week's CPI and PPI, because that's you know that's really along with the PCE further out. That's really what's going to guide the Fed as far as November comes. And I was listening to Steve Leisman this morning. I think it was on Squawk Box, and he said, "Look, when the Fed's ready, they'll change the rhetoric. If they start to see that these October, excuse me, these September inflation numbers are okay." Yeah, they'll stop the rhetoric and the market can then focus on earnings which look better than expected. Uh,
1: Speaking of Leasman and speaking of Fed rhetoric, uh, we're going to hear from Steve Leasman right now because we're getting more rhetoric. Steve, uh, San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly is speaking right now at the Economic Club of New York. What's the headline here?
5: Yeah, well, it's a bit like, Scott, she's listening to the conversation. She is saying financial conditions have tightened considerably, so she is paying attention to what's going on with the uh, with rates here. She says if they do remain tight, the need for further action is diminished. Action by the Fed, that is monetary policy, she says, is restrictive. Note she didn't use the phrase that Bostic used yesterday, which was sufficiently restrictive because she goes on to say that if the labor market and inflation continue to cool, the Fed can hold interest rates steady. If the deceleration of growth and inflation stalls, then we can raise rates further. She talks about optionality quite a bit in the speech. She says that growth and inflation are gradually slowing and the risks to the outlook are balanced. That's important there. Fed doesn't have to rush to any decisions. Uh, We can watch its options here. The decline in inflation, she says, has come without significant deterioration in economic growth or the labor market. Now, I want to just show you guys, we've had Three Fed speakers now talk about this rise in rates. Delhi, I just told you about. She said financial conditions have tightened considerably. Bostick the other day said corporate debt refinancing could be a significant drag on the economy and may do some of the Fed's work for it the vice president vice chair for bank supervision said they need to monitor the impact of tightening on bank credit so they are aware they haven't suggested any any time here any yet uh, Scott that they need to 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 weaken their message yet but like Jim was recounting what I was saying earlier today If you look at the 10-year over time, go back to this mid-September and September meeting, a lot of this rise is a result of Fed rhetoric and the change in their forecast. Who knows? They could come up with a different forecast today if you ask them. So my point is that what the Fed has giveth in the terms of higher yields, it could take it away if it chooses to change its rhetoric. That's why I'm watching very carefully what they're saying right now about these financial conditions and how much tighter they are.
1: You you do have to believe, to to some degree, they've been moved um, by the movement. In what we just showed, from the yield on the ten-year, for example, from the last meeting in September, Absolutely. to where we are um, at, at, the, at the given time now, if they're, if they're not moved, then you know, Houston, we got a problem.
5: I'm, I'm, right I'm sorry Scott I didn't prepare a probability chart for you but what you'll see is this entire move in the 10-year has come with almost no increase at all in the probability of a rate hike another rate hike this year still remains in that 40 45 percent range 22 23 uh, percent up to 30 percent for November so people are not saying the Fed is going to hike more that's been one impact it takes that initial hike or that uh, the final hike off the table for this year. And then the question becomes, does it begin to build in more cuts? Because the Fed is well aware, Scott, that if inflation falls and rates stay high, it becomes by definition tighter and it may not want that. I will just stress, So far, the rhetoric from Fed officials I've been following has been neutral as to this rise in rates, to saying that it's helpful backing off the idea of a need for another rate rate hike this year. But they have not gotten to the point yet where saying these high rates mean we can cut more next year. They're not there yet. Yeah, and the
1: market is not moving to a place where the Fed's rhetoric hasn't gotten to. Uh, I, I essentially hear you, you saying as, as well, right, the market not moving up its expectations or increasing
5: its p- probability thereof, right? Exactly. But, but the question, I, I really think, Scott, the Fed could have a profound effect. Let's say Chair Powell were to say, we think these rates are, are first of all, current rates are sufficiently restrictive and saying that financial conditions have become too tight. If he were to say that, I think the market would, the yields would have a pretty strong downward impact, which would suggest to the market that they can breathe a little bit of sigh of relief. I am not saying there aren't structural issues here. There are. But what's happened is, all of a sudden, yields are higher, and everybody who's been complaining about the deficit comes out of the woodwork and say, see, I told you so. Now, I'm saying there is a part to the deficit here. There is some surprise issuance. But there's two parts that we can't forget. One is the stronger growth numbers, which is why. All your people around the table, I think, are 100% right to watch carefully the jobs tomorrow. But it's also been Fed rhetoric and their change in their reaction function. If they were to ease back, I think they could have a profound effect on yields.
1: Great stuff, Steve. Thank you so much. Steve Leesman, our senior economics reporter, joining us with those comments from Mary Daly uh, out of San Francisco. Is Jim too optimistic, I'm just gonna let's just go right there, is, is Jim's forecast, <laughs> no, right I, I wanna have this debate, <laughs> I wanna have this debate. Okay. Is, is Jim's forecast of 44.50 too optimistic in the environment that we seem to be finding
2: ourselves in, yes or no? Okay, every sector in the S&P is now below its 50-day moving average. Uh, I know that doesn't matter to Jim, And obviously, that could change on a dime, especially if we get a big event like a CPI report or an employment report that very substantially makes it clear that the Fed can be done and they are sufficiently restrictive. But for the current moment, the markets are breaking down. Um, I do not think that Uh, the higher for longer had been fully priced into the market. I don't think it is yet. I think you're starting to see companies materially have adverse impacts in what they're saying on their business. You look at a company, I think it was uh, PetSmart or Petco, one of the pets I looked at the other day, they went from selling bonds at 3% to 9%. You cannot tell me that that happening across 1,000 publicly traded companies in the Russell 1000 isn't going to have a long and lasting impact on things like CapEx and hiring, et cetera. So I think it's getting really, really tough to keep saying, well, the consumer's hanging in there. The consumer's not hanging in there. The wealthy consumer is hanging in there. And if you actually look at what ADP said, all of the hiring, all of the strength, ergo, in the economy is in leisure, is in playtime. There's no, there's no other sign of strength anywhere. Manufacturing net lost jobs. You saw net lo- lost jobs in every other category, mm-hmm. and you saw Leisure Ed 92 of a plus 89 report. There's no strength anywhere other than people booking vacations, and that feels like it's on its last leg. And don't ask me, look at how the airlines are acting. The market has now weighed in and said, that's at its end. So it's really, really tough for me to agree with Jim. I hope he's right. Uh, I don't know about the formulation of the price target, but the, the one thing point I want to make that's actually positive for the intermediate term, if we can get through this moment, is this. All of the people who are screaming about long-term uh, Treasury yields and what that's doing to you were the same people who were screaming about the inverted yield curve a year ago. It's the same people. I'm friends with them. I go to dinner with them. It's not just on Twitter, it's in person. And the reason why that makes no sense, if you didn't like the inversion, or you hated the inversion, you should really like what's gone on in the last eight weeks, this normalization. We are almost at the point where there is no inversion in some of the most important pairs. Notably, look at the three month, 10 year. If you see that normalize and become uninverted between now and the end of the year, and you hated how inverted it was, Pick a lane. Josh, this is such a good point, and I'm sorry to That's jump all in. All I do but,
4: but, is no, eat Chinese listen. food and make good points. Well, you, did, like you <laughs> did just now. I don't see the Chinese food. I, you know, I'm ready well, for some I orange chicken, but here's the, here's <laughs> what you're saying, okay? In the environment that we've been in for 18 months, for the most part, good news is bad news, and bad news is bad news. Everything's bad news. Okay, you're selling right. the newsletter. Let is. me make the point I'm trying to make. What changes that? When does that change? It changes when the Fed actually signals that it's done. Maybe they've got one more Hike. I don't know. I don't think they do. But in order to get the Fed, and Steve was just saying this, in order to get them to back off on the rhetoric, they've got to feel comfortable that inflation's on getting under control. And that's why tomorrow matters to the point we're making, and that's why next week on CPI-PPI matters. Harry, do you but, want but, to agree but with but me as well? there is good news <coughs> out there. You look like you do. There you is do. good news out there. I'm going to disagree with you on it's all leisure, because it can't all be leisure if the Atlanta Fed's at 4.9% real GDP. And it isn't. There's a lot of capex going on,
2: too. There's a lot of inf- Inflation
4: built so, into that GDP. That's a number. real number. So, ju- just,
3: just a point on that uh, about the Chinese food because it's looking good on you. you. So, you. I would say that we're uh, we're talking with Jim and the 44, 50, or something. Remember, we were at 45.88. On August 1st. Yeah, not, what happened? not very long. You're still so innocent, then. I Well, fine. I understand <laughs> it's come down. But if we think about what's changed in the economy, what has really changed since then? We had, uh, you know, the Fed say we're pausing. We're going to look at them. So we didn't have a rate, rate hike. We had, we had lower inflation. We've had a stronger dollar with oil, but in fact, there's not a lot of change. We've had change in the market for the 10-year. So the 10-year move and the fact that the market has come down, frankly, is positive when you think about less jobs Delinquent, because the market,
2: delinquencies rising the regional yeah. bank balance sheets being turned upside down less bank jobs, of america sitting on jobs. over a hundred billion dollars risks. worth i mean yeah, always right. risks there's
3: uh, always you know, risks I, so I, something I has changed yeah it's not as the market is not is reflecting that the economy my, is not as feel, strong my but feel we is want that the rates to be less strong
2: we we spent 18 months when are these weights going to have an effect I honestly think the rubber hit the road this August and September, and we are now getting the first of the data points to confirm that. And the market's down nine percent. Those rates are biting. I'll tell you
1: what. What. what else has changed since the summer? Um, Earnings estimates have gone up. Up. Okay. That's not allowed. Consensus. That's
4: not allowed. Consensus
1: earnings estimates have gone up from July 1st for the third quarter, for the fourth quarter, uh, for Q1 of, of 24, they continue to grow by their optimism by, by small increments, obviously, as but you see down. here. But nonetheless, they continue to trend higher as the environment gets dicier, okay? That is where we were gonna really find out if the rubber meets the road. You're correct. darn right. Okay. And
4: imagine, imagine if those estimate revisions are correct and imagine, I know I'm in imagine land here because we're talking about <laughs> the future, folks.
1: Well, the imagine is, that it are you in delusional and, land? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right. You already put yourself into
4: no, no. But imagine <laughs> that those revisions happen, okay, that they're true and that inflation continues to come down. Wow. I mean, 4450 is going to have to be revised in it, a different see, direction. The problem
1: is, is that in, inflation after coming down a lot, isn't coming down enough at the most sticky part of the inflation spectrum, I non-housing services? I will services, freely admit, it, will it, it, measure, it, it is not. I
2: will freely admit, inflation flipping, needs to do better. Wait, wait, can't you, can't you see a scenario where it, where the the conversation flips to, oh wait, why is it coming down? We're already okay, seeing okay, demand, okay, that's for, demand no, that's for oil fine. story that, this that's week. That's totally valid. Okay. That's
4: a completely valid point. You're saying, what if we're in a recession and that's why it's coming down? Okay, I submit to you this. What if tomorrow you know what I'm looking for? What if tomorrow you get 4.2% on average hourly earnings? And you got those revisions, which you just mentioned. I didn't think that was allowed in decent you know company but okay um, that's a pretty powerful combination if those two things happen well it's
3: not from 6 plus Josh's percent. point though
1: is if you get a hotter than expected jobs report something that doesn't mesh with the ADP report that's a decided negative I, for the I, market I given where we are. I agree. Given where rates have moved. Well, here's a problem with that. I agree. But you have, want the, have, you're want the you arguing that you want the economy to be so strong, and it is so strong, I, I thought it but was, then you're saying it's I a thought,
4: bad... No no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you, because I thought I was clear about this. I want the jobs number to exceed along with, okay, and having average hourly earnings being below expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't think- you want more jobs but,
2: but lower wage gains? That's what we should all want. Well, like theoretically, but I don't know if it's the market not, wants no, that. No, the okay th- no. Again, let me cook. The Fed, has conditioned, <laughs> the Fed has now conditioned us to interpret anything positive as, oh no, higher for longer again okay. and again and again. I don't like that they've done that. I don't like that that's where the market is. I promise you the way the algorithms are written right now, Better than expected equals sell. Yeah, Simplest well, algorithm on earth. And yeah, by so the way, can I
3: just stir for a minute? Here? So, if we have in the next few weeks many earnings reports, some of, from very big companies, that suggests that there's more strength on the technology side. That some of the big consumer services companies are, are, are really showing a resumption of strength, which they've really lacked for 18 months. You know, I think that shows something to the market. And even you know, even if we don't have the scenario Respectfully, that's Respectfully, we tricky. got
2: that last quarter. We had a pretty decent beat it rate helped. for the S&P yeah. 500. Yeah. No, it didn't. By the way, as let, soon let, as earnings season ended, okay. it was like a well, trap well, door let me, okay. let me
1: just get in here real quick. Uh, forgive me for interrupting you guys, but you know, Mary Daly, as we said, you, you saw Leisman. It's not like that was the end of her commentary over at the Economic Club, also suggesting from headlines that continue to move that recent bond market tightening, according to Mary Daly, equal to about one rate hike Um, suggesting also if yields remain high, no need for another hike. So exactly what Steve Leisman was talking about uh, is being discussed as we speak in real time by Mary Daly, the San Francisco Fed president, um, and thinking about what that tightening of of, um, financial conditions has done uh, equal to about one rate hike in, in her mind. So maybe you start moving the ball past the goal line of we're done. And that's gonna be the rhetoric to listen to closer than anything else as we move forward from voting members. Mary Daly is not a voting member. No, Keep that in mind as well. Um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Our call of the day. One analyst uh, says, close your eyes and buy quality in this beaten up sector. We'll see if the committee agrees. We're back in two minutes.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy in 2022.
1: Welcome back, utilities. Talking a lot about those this week, hitting a 52-week low, falling to the lowest level now in three years. Today, key banks seen enough. They say the sector finally appears inexpensive and that you can close your eyes, in their words, and buy quality. So great to have you on, Carrie, um, because (laughs) Nextera has been in the eye of the storm, so to speak. Okay. Exactly. Josh had it. He sold it. You still have it, okay? Another new 52-week low um, today. What do we do here? plays right into the bond conversation we've been having exactly. yields up utilities down yeah what about this name
3: well I didn't know I like key Bank so much until now uh, I, I would say the following uh, we bought this stock when it was down considerably and we thought between the utility side of it which in general utilities have been sold all year we sold to our American waterworks um, because of the pressure from higher rates higher rates are bad for utilities this case in particular is about their uh, renewable division, which has been one of the engines of growth, but it needs financing because in order to do these projects and to sell them, you have to have you know, a financing arm. And with rates higher, that's a problem. That and generally, the the whole level of debt they have and interest rates higher has hit next era. Do we think that this is enough to keep the stock from going down? We think it's oversold here. We've gone through the different levels of debt, the different projects involved. We're still doing that work. We have not sold it, but we are doing the work on it and we will have an answer about what we're going to do in the next few days. But right now, our answer to the question is that we think it's overdone because the renewables are worth something. That was why we bought this in the first place. And electrification of the country is still happening everywhere.
2: Harry Keybank upgraded the sector, but removed their price target on Nextera and cut their rating on that stock in particular. Okay, now
3: so I don't, I don't like them. them. No, yeah. now I don't like them. Okay. Thank you, so, Josh. So let's just
1: let's just focus for another second on on these comments from Mary Daly um, because they're happening, you know, not all that far from here on the economic club as we said of new york you know bond yields if you want to show the 10-year intraday um, i think it's moved on on her commentary yes um, which is you know come off the the high of, of the the morning stocks have obviously improved a little bit we're still obviously red i'm not trying to uh act as though the the stock market is all of a sudden turned around but it's it's certainly off the lows and, you know, Jim, if, you, if the market as a whole can get its arms around the idea that this move in yields has been so significant and in such a short period of time, for the most part that it's moved the Fed. It's moved their, their thought process into even considering whether they would do one more. As Mary Daly says, what's happened already is the equivalent basically of one more and if they might be done, and move to be done, and that breaks the fever of what we've witnessed with yields.
4: Um, I think what you just laid out is exactly what I feel, what I believe is gonna happen. What you left out, but you know, I'll add to it, is that the economy has to hang in there, and along with it, profits grow along the trajectory that we were talking about earlier. I, I have to say this about economic growth and profits. Right now, it looks like that's going to happen. This is one of those FDR moments where what we have to fear is fear itself. And we're right on that precipice of where the Fed doesn't feel comfortable soon then that negative sentiment is gonna really flow through to CEO offices who are gonna start laying off people, to consumers who are gonna say, I'm, I'm done, I'm not gonna spend on the holiday season, two investors who are just gonna say, all right, I'm throwing in the towel. So we are getting close, pretty close to a day of reckoning where the rhetoric and thus the sentiment does need to change. So I take some comfort from what uh, Ms. Daly is saying.
1: So are you looking back to the utilities conversation for a minute, things that are super rate sensitive are you looking, as key banks suggest, close your eyes and buy quality in that area?
4: Um, I am looking. I am not ready to pick a name. Um, I, I didn't wake up this morning and say, God, I got to find that utility <laughs> stock, OK? But but it's not a bad call. I'm not damning it with faint praise. Yeah, I think we're supposed to start looking. Because companies like NextEra, that's you, actually, wait just one second, think- that's a fabulous freaking company, all right? That's yeah. nuclear, wind, regulated utility. The price was wrong. Sorry, folks, the price was wrong. You, Let it find its price level, and w- that's
2: something we could so the 10-year Treasury yield is now about equal to the trailing 12 months earnings yield of the S&P 500. This is a good point. This has not happened since yeah. 2002, yeah. okay? Yeah. We're, this is historic stuff that we're living through. Let's think about utilities and who the buyer of utilities are. It's people who, pr- who prize the income feature from the dividend above most other considerations. Maybe they're also low vol investors, but for the most part, they are people like Jenny focused on what is the, what is the yield? And then they work backwards. Should I buy it at this price because of the valuation? Blah, blah, blah. Is that buyer coming anytime soon in size so long as there is this much of a discrepancy between the average dividend yield, and I know there's preferential treatment on on dividend income, and what you can get from a risk-free Your point uh, is very well made. Your point is very well made. But
3: those those numbers change. I mean, this is a volatile time right now. They're they're changing right in front of our eyes. Uh, Exactly, but they've changed. You need a utility
2: yielding 5% or more to to say, yeah, I'll close my eyes and buy this. Extend your argument.
4: I I don't really care about utilities right now, but extend your argument to other sectors of the market where you're making a fabulous point. You didn't call the equity risk premium, but that's what you were talking about, where the equity risk premium is high because the p.e. is lower and the yields are good what am i talking about talking about energy talking about materials talking about financials you cannot do that folks unless you agree with me that this economy is not going into recession but that's where your argument extends you think
2: demand will hold up for energy absolutely you can buy an integrated oil player uh, 11 times earnings Two two and a half three. percent yield three. with a buyback in place. You can do that. I, I completely agree with you. If you're in the recession camp, you can't do that. Exactly. That's as cyclical as it gets. What about
1: the what about like Goldman, um, JPM down? You know Goldman's down. I, don't, I, I saw it earlier. I, I don't know what it is now. Three three yeah. percent ish, four percent. Uh, today, we can pull up Goldman. How should we view right now you know the, the banks you got J p Morgan We
2: have to break the banks in half Let's try we, to get that we, chart up for you. We have to talk about we have to talk about. JP Morgan differently, and maybe Wells Fargo differently, then we're going to talk about Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. Morgan and Goldman had really nice rallies uh, this summer.
1: Goldman's come off the, uh, off the mat. I, I, I misspoke. It's, not, it's obviously not down 3 or 4%.
2: We have to think about the, the banks with very heavy capital markets exposure differently than the banks who are about to tell us how much money they're making with interest rates at 5%. It's not necessarily gonna be the same companies and the same types of reports. Uh, And then I think we have to look further and say, which of these banks are holding on to billions of dollars worth of mortgages, even if it's in their held to maturity portfolio, uh, that effectively have upside down balance sheets on a lot of those mortgages. Uh, And at what point does the street start to even more severely discount as a result of what those balance sheets look like. These 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 banks, I'm in J.P. Morgan, I think it's the highest quality one. They did not go all in buying mortgage bonds uh, when rates were substantially low. They just didn't do it, and I'd prefer to be there than I would in, let's say, uh, the Bank of America's. All right, so let's get the headlines. Uh- with Sylvana Hinau. Hi, Sylvana.
6: Hey, Scott. The Pentagon could be making controversial cuts to the Army's Special Operations Forces. That's according to a Wall Street Journal report. The plans come as the force struggles with recruiting and is shifting focus from the Middle East to China. A military official told the Journal that the Army plans to cut Special Operations troops in supporting roles. These cuts could total 3,700 troops. The Maryland Supreme Court will hear oral arguments today in Adnan Syed's case. Syed's story was the subject of the popular podcast Serial. He has spent 24 years fighting charges that he murdered his former girlfriend in 1999. Last year, a judge vacated Syed's conviction, but an appeals court reinstated the ruling in March. The state Supreme Court will now decide if Syed heads back to prison. President Biden and other high-profile Democrats are expected to honor Senator Dianne Feinstein at her funeral service today. The president will deliver an audio message tribute to the senator's life and legacy. Other leaders, including Vice President Kamala Harris and former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, will make remarks in person. Scott?
1: Sylvana, appreciate it. Thank you, had Now coming up, trouble in the friendly skies. Two major firms now slashing their targets on a number of airline stocks. so we'll talk about that. We've got some moves to get to as well as Jim has added to two stocks that he's already owned. I'll tell you which one's next.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash impact.
1: See, the Dow's still down 100 points. Jim, uh, you bought more Oracle and Deere. Yeah. Why? Um,
4: First off, the bigger comment is getting
1: invested. Um, Scott, I think think you were on vacation
4: when I did lighten up a little bit, whether that was late August or early September. I forget when, but I did. Why is that funny? I, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm, I I'm I'll, having I'll a, my schedule over. I'm
4: having a report Later with on, my man, Josh. I'm having, right. a, I'm having a good time with
2: him. Anyway. He wasn't here when he, when, when, when Jim took some profits and sold some stuff.
4: Well, <laughs> you know what? Even Weiss backed me up on this the other day. Anyway, moving on. It's time to yeah. put that money back to work. It's time to put that money back to work, all right? Definitely. So you look at Deere. You look at Oracle. These are two companies I think are doing. I love their business models. I think their results are fantastic. They're both off around 17 18% from those July highs. That money I took out, I didn't take it out from those guys took it out from Goldman Sachs and Dover. But there's the opportunity to put it back to work. Everybody knows what my thesis is right
1: now. So I want to get invested. OK, Josh, what do you, what do you make of the moves? I mean, you know Oracle well because you used to own it. Yeah, Oracle. Uh, and Deere, too, I think, at one point.
2: Oracle has some support in the high 90s. I think it'll it'll kiss that level before turning around. I mean, if you have a massive market rally on a good jobs report, forget everything I just said, because that will trump the individual stocks, technicals at least short term. Uh, but that's a that's a tricky area right here i would kind of let it come in what's the other one deer Deer. yeah deer no
3: support i really
2: i really have no opinion on deer but the market's opinion Uh, is that this stock is probably uh, range-bound. If you think about just this last three-year period, very well-defined high, just above 400, Mm -hmm. very well-defined low, too. You have some support in the 350s, 360s. Maybe that's like an area where you can make some money trading in between, but there there doesn't seem to be any direction here in the chart just yet. Kerry, you don't like it. I saw saw you
4: sort of shaking your
3: head. I I think, again, the chart doesn't look good. good Industrial, Uh, you know, I don't know. I think there are better ideas
4: Can I just point out there's not a lot of charts that look good Uh, in the market right now. I mean, we can say this about just about every stock out there. That's true. That's true. Okay.
1: Okay, that's a fair point. Mike Santoli, he'll join us next for his midday word. We're back on the half right after this. All right, our senior markets commentator Mike Santoli has joined us here at the desk for his midday word. And, and let's make it about what Mary Daly's sure. talking about, because you, you have to believe that it's at some level. The Fed is going to be moved by tightening that the market has already done for it. I think it was one of the big
7: questions about the run of Fed speak that we saw. Right, the first reaction after the meeting is to reiterate the message from Powell, and with the market uh, moving so far and so fast, I do think it helps at the margin to have them acknowledge um, that this isn't necessarily, you know, out of the set of variables they have to look at. So that's a net positive you see, you know, it, it's a tricky spot because you don't want everyone to be in a position of wishing for softer and softer economic data in order to take the pressure off of yields, in order to get the Fed to say, okay, maybe we're done. Um, and so maybe this creates a little bit of daylight where you could have okay data because of what the yields have done and still have that uh, that
1: balanced picture. I think it, I think that's a great point that you make, that, that good news can be good news yes. because the Movement in the bond market has allowed it to be good news by doing all of that work that the Fed might not still have to do, irrespective of who says what and when. And by the, you know, you have to pay attention to to who's a voting member and who isn't, because sure. it matters more than people may think.
7: I mean, I've never really thought that the next move or non-move from the Fed is going to be the key swing factor. It's markets mostly struggling with, you know, this rampage that yields are on. What's that doing to the real economy now and in the next six months? Um, that being said, if if it, if the Fed doesn't come out and say, yep, that's part of our plan, actually, is to have unemployment go up a lot and is to bring the earnings picture into question, I do think that uh, it's an that positive, Uh, not going to be a savior. I always think good news is good news, by the way. The the, the windows of time when bad news is good news are very brief and fleeting, and you don't want to kind of get in that mode of always wishing for something like that. It's like I always feel like the pain trade's always lower. Yeah. Sometimes it's higher tactically, but but for everybody, the pain trade's usually lower.
1: You you are correct. I mean, obviously, another 25-point hike in the big picture means nothing. It is, though— brings forth the idea of whether the Fed is tone deaf in some right. respects by yeah. what's actually going on in the market around them right. and what might happen as a result of that move. So when in fact 25, whatever it is, yeah. um, is not the issue. It's the. Uh, It's the inability to recognize what's happening and keeping doing more.
7: Look, I think there's also a sense, and we don't want to get too complacent about what they're thinking or might say, which could be, look, we've been trying to get the projected rate cuts out of the market for a long time, and finally this is is happening at the long end of the curve. And 4.7% on the 10-year in the abstract is not too high, given where nominal growth is, given where inflation is. Uh, It's just we got here in a hurry. And we got to just wait and see what damage
1: was done along the way. Yeah, well, it's I, I suppose comforting to some that they seem to acknowledge that. That's right. Yeah, at least some of them do. Well, like Mary yeah. Daly. I'll see you in a bit, yep. Mike Santoli. We'll see him on closing bell. Obviously, we're back right after this. I do have some calls that I want to get to before we're out of time today. MX Carry being one of them. You own it. Named the top pick at Bank of America. Buy rating. Price target two hundred two. Significant upside from where yeah. it is. What do you think?
3: Well, I like that, love B of A today. Um, I I think that it's a good call because this is a stock that sells for 12 times next year's earnings. It continues to kind of chug up on the sales level. I I think you've got uh, currency is sending more people overseas right now. That's good, people are traveling. You know, of course, the, the stock's been having its jitters because of recession fears. But we're not in a recession now. Slowdown isn't going to stop all the spending on Amex but, cars. But I mean, you're not
1: you're not super bull. You're not nearly as bullish on the economic outlook as Jim is. In fact, no, you're much, but, much more tempered on that. Yeah. So that and, and you do worry about the consumer and spending. Correct. So how can you brush that? fully to the side, like I feel like I hear you doing, and be so optimistic about American Express. because How, who owns, One ties into the other. Yeah,
3: but who owns American Express codes? they're a higher end audience and the market has been growing for them in particular young people. So the growth in the Amex cards has been very much focused, as you know, on the 30 to 40 year olds. And I, I think that's going to continue.
1: All right. So, Jimmy, let's talk some airline stuff because you got two firms today cutting targets, Goldman and Ray J. Um, In terms of what you own, Goldman takes Alaska to 51 from 54, Mm -hmm. Ray J takes uh, Alaska to 58 from 75, Delta at Goldman to 46 from 50, Delta at Ray J to 54 from 58, the point being that these stocks are all having their targets cut.
4: Yeah, um, perversely, I hope these guys are right, because those targets are way above where the share prices are right now. I mean, I, I you know, looking at uh, Alaska, that looks like that's about a 60% uh, increase, uh, at least from uh, uh, Ray J. Looking at Goldman on, on Delta, that's about a 30% increase. I think what you're seeing in these reports, Scott, and, and watchers, is just some housekeeping, right? The stocks have done poorly. We've addressed that. I'm not happy about it. They are the suggesting, stocks-
1: by the way, I, I want to tell the whole story, obviously. They are, whether it's Alaska or Delta, from either shop, either it's reiterating a buy or reiterating a strong buy. So it's not like they cut yeah. the price target, don't like the stock anymore. They're just maybe having a bit of a reality check on, on what the price targets should that's be. That's exactly right. As they're still urging yeah. people to buy the stock.
4: That's exactly right. They, that's housekeeping. They have to do this. Stocks are way down from when they had those targets of 75 on Alaska. So they have to do this. I think what's more relevant for all of us is Delta's going to report next Wednesday. I think it's next Wednesday. Let's see what they say about demand. I can tell you right now, just in the present time, we are well above pre-pandemic levels on a sustainable basis in terms of airline throughput. Yes, fuels a problem. Yes, labor has gone up. These are normal in any business. You sometimes have costs ebb and flow, but you want to see that demand hang in there. That's why what Ed Bastian
1: says on Wednesday is very important. I is trigger, did I trigger you by, by talking about the airlines? Well, I mean
2: they... Look at a smirk. Look at him smile.
4: Dude, I never moved I against, I I against
2: anyone. I uh, know. I, we, we know. Uh, the, the big four <laughs> airlines are down an average of 30% over the last quarter. Uh, they're down 12% year over year. Scott pointed out on Tuesday you probably just had airline nirvana for the last two years. You may never have an environment like that where the, the propensity to travel uh, ever again, quite frankly. Does this make sense to you, Jim? Uh, Southwest, 31 times earnings. ALK is 28. And then uh, Wait, Delta. I don't,
4: think, I don't think those numbers are even right, remotely right. Delta ranked.
2: 5, UAL, uh, f- uh, Delta 8, UAL 5, yeah, AAL right. 3. Yeah. Why is there, but there is a but really you know big discrepancy. Answer. Why
4: don't you answer your question? I don't know the that? answer. Why because, is that? Because the market thinks a recession is coming. And it's been thinking that for a solid 18 months. That's the reason why. If you look at the analyst estimates, I mean, they are higher now than they were at the beginning of the year by a meaningful amount. And yet the stocks are down. Why is that? Because nobody believes the earnings are actually Maybe really we want to buy these well, at trough, but, earnings.
2: May, but this is, but it's also like almost peak earnings. Maybe we want to buy these companies at trough earnings, like a true cyclical, yeah. and we want to buy when these P.E. ratios are double digits, not three times earnings. Your point is exquisite. I'm only going to say that this disbelief
4: about the earnings has gone on for actually longer. I mean, Alaska Park uh, peaked in May of 21, and here's what they've been doing since then. All of these airlines have been minting money and paying down debt. Their balance sheets look a, a hell of a lot clearer than ever, right. like since before 1914. Well, the the other thing that's,
1: yes, the other thing that's clear is we need to take a break because we have final <laughs> trades on the other side. All right. Three o'clock. Closing bell. Jeremy Siegel, the professor with me. Joe T. Bill Miller, the fourth, too. Bill Miller, the fourth will be with us. Hope you'll join me. Just a couple hours time. See what this market's going to do between now and then. Let's do final trades. Farmer Jim. Well, we, talked,
4: we talked about energy earlier. Exxon Mobil. This seems like the easy button here. The multiple is very forgiving. Three point two percent dividend yield. Buying back shares. And it's on sale.
1: Carrie Firestone.
3: Uh, FTV, it's an industrial that designs and engineers products for healthcare software. Um, Mid-cap type name. It's come down. We would buy it here.
2: Josh Brown. CrowdStrike has given up basically nothing. 55% year-to-date rally. Look for the names in your portfolio that are stronger. Those will have the best move when we turn.
1: All right. Good stuff. I'll see you in a couple hours. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern only on CNBC.
0: completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward Halftime Report Disclaimer. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or.